0: Would you open to Luke chapter 1? I know it's the the day after Christmas, and please forgive me. I know for some of you this is going to be an issue, because for some we said Merry Christmas on Christmas Eve. I don't know if if that's wrong. And today we're actually wrapping up our Christmas series, Good News of Great Joy. Everybody say great joy. Great Great joy, not mediocre, not temporary. Eternal, great, 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 really, really great joy in Luke chapter 1. We're going to be diving in. We we've looked at a few things. We've looked at uh, at Elizabeth and uh, John the Baptist, right? Mary and uh, the package arriving this Christmas. We remember the first Christmas. We want to look at perspective. Perspective being so powerful. So if if you don't have an outline, would you lift up your your hand? We want to get an outline to you. You want to take notes. You want to be jotting down what what God is speaking to you specifically. Uh, let's be praying for. For our church family as as everybody is is traveling and sick and all over the place that that we would be able to uh, pray for and care for uh, one another, those that are having to to work over this weekend right that it's uh, the the work never ends the the sickness doesn't let up the traveling uh, doesn't stop until it's it's all over and so until then, for those of us that are that are here that we would look at. Luke chapter 1, and just ask uh, this question as we get started. Why is God's perspective so powerful? Why, why is it so powerful for, for us with, with limited perspective, right? We only see so much, and we can only see so far, and, and we interpret things a certain way. But when we have God's perspective, that's pretty powerful, right? When we see with God's eyes, that's powerful. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's powerful. Powerful when, when we as God's people get a little bit more of not just a glimpse of what God sees, but that as we grow, we actually have the ability, God gives us the ability to see what he sees, to to have the same heart as him, to to interpret how he interprets things. And so uh, we want to take a look at God's perspective today and just thinking God may be at work in your circumstances in ways that you don't realize. I think we've said this before, but I want to say it again here 's a perspective change, not God change my circumstances, make all the bad things go away, make me healthy and, and wealthy and and I 'll worship you more uh, freely if all the burdens that I have are taking off uh, of, of my my heavy load, right uh, God says, uh, i won't change your circumstances until your circumstances change you, but do we believe that that's a That's a perspective shift of. God, you're doing things that don't make sense to me and your timing seems pretty atrocious to me and, and the way that things happen in my life, it doesn't seem right and it doesn't seem like that you're in control, but God won't change your circumstances until your circumstances change, change you because who brought the circumstances your way? Hopefully you realize your God is also the God of all circumstances, even the most inconvenient. And here uh, I want us to, to consider Mary, as we wrap up, we have this last section, verses 46 through 55, that maybe when Mary got the news, she was blown away, but maybe in the back of Mary's mind, she was also thinking, I'm not married yet. Mary wasn't married. We get that, right? She's a virgin. Uh, she was engaged but not married. Uh, I don't know if you realize uh, how much people, maybe you've experienced how much people talk in a small town Uh, you know what, Uh, the small towns around Israel, no different, that uh, your business was everybody's business, and so I I don't know what was being thought of about Mary, as exciting and as overwhelmed as in awe of Mary was, um, still a human being, and having to face all of these things of, well, what are people going to say, and how am I going to be viewed, and this isn't my timing, and this doesn't seem to be the, the proper way, and God, what are you doing, and through all of her wrestling, this was Mary's response. This is sometimes called uh, Mary's song or Mary's song of praise, but specifically the Magnificat. Have you heard that before? Super technical uh, term, the Magnificat. In certain circles, it's, it's emphasized a little bit more, but this is, this is her doxology, all right? Big fancy word for her responding glory to God with her voice and her praise, the Magnificat. Okay, So here is Mary responding, and did she respond with her own perspective? We see she had God's perspective of all that was happening to her. She saw things God's way. The question is, do we? When we're in the middle of, God, what are you doing, and where are you taking me, and what's going to happen, and I need to know, and the sense of needing control, and to be able to, uh, to control my circumstance, my situation, people around me, and getting upset and frustrated and questioning and doubting, and instead at least we have we have one image here. We have one example of here's God's new perspective by God's grace. Mary responded so differently than maybe maybe we would have had a response in the flesh or, or frustrated or doubting. Verse 46. Mary said this. Mary said, "My soul." magnifies, exalts, lifts up the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, in God my, my Savior. And so if you're taking notes, just jot this one down. Here's, here's what God's new perspective does. It, it gives birth to passion. It gives birth to passion. It's not just Okay, God, I, I guess you're good. I guess this is okay. I, whatever you want. I guess if I have to go through this, then okay. I mean, I, do I have a choice anyway? You're God, I'm not. Uh, she could have responded that way. Here, here it is. With a passionate cry of her heart, we have a response of magnify God, rejoicing in God. God is my rescuer. God is my everything. God blesses those who, who turn to him again and again. The past weeks we looked at all those who turned their attention to him and have the right perspective. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you could have looked at it one way, like my life is over, or this is a mess, or like how am I going to overcome this, or it's never going to get better, and this was taken away from me, or this was so different. I, I didn't choose this path, and I didn't want my story to be concluding this way. I don't know what you're facing, what you faced over the past maybe couple years, but God is writing a story, and, and the story may be very different than the story uh, you wrote for yourself, right? And for, for many of us, what a season for us to, to be in the Christmas season and then to look at a new year where you say, God, I don't know where your heart's at, but this could be a, a plea of your heart. God, would you give me a new perspective? I need a new perspective because I am not seeing things rightly. My response is not, God, glorify yourself, and I trust in you, and and I want to make much of you in this season, even if I'm filled with some questions and doubts and hurts. But this could be a new perspective. God, fill me with your passion. Fill me with a passion for your glory, not mine. Fill me with a passion for your purposes, not, not my comfort, not my ease, not what I want. Your way, your will. And not just casually, and not just reluctantly, but would God lead us individually, as a church, into a new year where we say, with all my heart, with everything I am, passionately, I want to have a new perspective. I want to respond to you and say, God, I'm all in. I'm fully committed. My worship of my God is ramping up. It's not cooling off. Is that you? And how about this? God's, God's new perspective. Help us out, Mary. Help us, help us with this magnificat, this, this singing and praising. How did she respond? Verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Who is she talking about? She's talking about herself, right? She's going, "Who am I? Who am I? I'm humble, and 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 not in an arrogant humble way. Right? She's saying, "I am a nobody, and you looked on me, and I'm just a servant. For behold, every time we see behold in the New Testament, right? We know that the the Greek word sounds a little bit like. Check this out. You gotta see this. Pay attention. All right. It, it's with like three exclamation points. Okay. Behold, behold, from now on. She's like, this is amazing. This is worship, right? This is her song of praise. All generations, all generations, every say all generations, all generations, all generation, generation after generation will call me blessed. And that's kind of a big deal to be a chosen one, but It's pretty awesome when Mary can say, don't worship me, worship my son, right? Don't look to me, look to my son. But she's saying all nations are going to know that God looks on the nobodies and he chooses to show his favor on the servants. Those that just say, I'll just do whatever. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I I don't have a claim to entitlement and a right to my way and my kingdom. God, it's all about your kingdom. And she says everything people are going to call me, call me blessed. This is amazing. This is in humility. She responds verse 49 for he who is mighty. So who's the hero of the story? He who is mighty. God has done great things. What does she say? For me, right? For me. I'm not God. I'm doing great things for you. I was willing to, uh, to, to house the child of God. She's like, God's doing great things for me. He's doing it on my behalf, holy is his name. He is totally different and set apart. His ways are so radically different. Verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And so I, I just jotted down, what, what are three blessings uh, that, that Mary experienced and how can we learn from it? Because God's new perspective, if, if you're taking notes, if you're jotting down number two here, God's new perspective does something to me highlights my blessings. I don't know where you naturally go, but I think we need to be reminded of a few of these blessings because our minds don't naturally go here. Where, where do you naturally go? Naturally go to everything that is wrong, everything that is broken, everything uh, that went awry, that went astray, everything that is not the way it's supposed to be. I don't know about you, but it, it's, kind of, it's pretty easy to see the flaws. It's pretty easy to point out all that is wrong Unless we are constantly going back, as Mary did, her response pointed to who? Not herself, not her problems, to her God. So how has God blessed me? What can we learn from Mary here? Well, God's attention, if you're taking notes, God's attention. God's attention. Is that not a blessing? Guess who is attentive to your needs? Guess who is looking upon you? Not just Satan. He's got his eye on you, right? God pays attention. What, what does verse 48 say again? He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. He has looked upon, and it's not just a glance. It's he's paying close attention to Mary. And guess what? There's a principle here that guess who he's looking at? Look, Guess who he's looking at attentively? If you're a child of God, he's looking at you. He's paying attention to you. He's looking upon you. He cares about all that you are going through, all your facing and i don't know about you but as i was reading through this i just keep thinking to myself and i and i know many of us have we have different stories we have different testimonies different backgrounds and i hope all of us that are children of god can say why would god look on me when i was running away from him when i was a total mess when i was unworthy that god pursued me when i was not pursuing him looking back at 21 years of my life of running as fast as I could away from God, living for myself on my way to a Christless hell. And God pays attention. And it didn't take me long coming to, to Christ at, at 21 years old for him to speak into my life and in my heart through his word that like he knows every hair, and actually there's, he knows more hairs that used to be on my head than, than are now, and some of us can sympathize with that, but like, he knows them all, he knows everyone I lost, right, he keeps, keeps track, so some can make fun, but God cares, God cares, right, even about the smallest, most insignificant things, every, every tear that, the imagery is that he stores in a, in a bottle, that like, there's an awareness of every tear, every hurt, why would he do that to enemies? Why would he do that to those that don't care at all about him? No one has ever been rescued that cares deeply about God and loves God as a lifestyle. Every Everyone that has been rescued has been an enemy, has been a rebel. That's who God pays attention to, those that are low, those that are insignificant. Uh, anybody think that's a blessing? God has blessed me with his attention. I deserve hell, but He looks with grace. That's incredible. How about this? If you're taking notes, God's goodness, God's God's goodness. Verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things. Holy is his name. He is doing nothing but goodness for me and great things for his glory. The good, good father gives, what kind of gifts? Only good gifts, only good gifts, right? And we know from Jesus' teaching that it's clear that there's misunderstandings about the, the heart of God because he has to clarify, like, what kind of father that, it, that if he asks for food that he's, that he's going to get like a rock, you know, like who, what kind of good father is going to mess with a child in, in need, right? Only for good, not for harm. And what is Jesus declaring? Like, if a, if a father on earth, a fallen, sinful father is like that, how much greater, how much of the goodness of God our Father is pouring out to his kids. His goodness is incredible. Good Father. And I wonder if, if we wouldn't just ask, God, why would you pay attention to me? But we would ask, why is goodness coming my way? Why would you be good to me at all? Why would you provide the basic things for me? And anything above that is, is the goodness of God. I wonder if 2022 would be a year that we would just be journaling and writing down and sharing stories of, did you... Did you hear how good God is? You're know, like He showed up and he's working on my heart. He's changing me. He's providing for me because do we naturally go there? What if there would be a huge transition in our hearts instead of, did you hear? Did you hear the latest gossip? Did you hear what's going on? Did you hear what they said, what they did? Did you? Instead, we would say what? Did you hear? Did you hear of the goodness of God? Did you hear how God is working? Did you hear? I mean, I was talking to this person and I didn't even realize and and God's showing up in power and hes I've been praying with, and, and God's breaking through, and God's changing hearts. And did you hear how God is working in my family? And I can't believe it. And everything we've been through over the years, and now this new year, did you hear? Did you hear? What if, what if we put off sharing all the badness, and we say, God, I want this new year to be a, a goodness year. Make it a, a goodness, more good, more good out of my mouth, more stories of good. That are being shared. Turn to your neighbor and say more good. More good. More good. I just want I want more good not just to happen to other people. I want more good to happen to me. Why? So that I can share it. I can boast on God. I Because what does Mary say? The, the greatness of God. He's mighty. He's glorious. I, I want to brag on my God because of his goodness. Is that me? God, why would you give me goodness? But you do. And let me boast on your goodness. How about this number three? How has God blessed me? How did did Mary experience this? Verse 50, let's look back, and his mercy is for those who fear him, who have respect for him, who get low before him, not just for her, she says, but God's working through the generations, from generation to generation, God's mercy. And if you just want to jot this down, if you want to jot down the address of Psalm 130, uh, the reference that Mary is making is she's actually reciting part of a psalm so, Psalm one thirty, if you want to jo- or Psalm 103, I'm sorry, it's a dyslexic moment. Welcome back, all right. So, Psalm 103, 103, and if we have the opportunity this week, just even look up Psalm 103 and to be able to read through that, and Mary drew from the words of the psalmist of God's mercies, not getting what we deserve, not getting what we deserve, that's mercy, right? Grace is getting what I don't deserve, mercy is not getting what I do deserve, and and I don't know about you, but just thinking God has every right every single day, every time that I fail and I sin, and it's like punishment should be coming my way. Wrath should be poured out. God is right and just, and instead he holds all of that back and he gives me mercy. He's merciful every single moment of every single day. No pun- punishment to his kids. He punished his son so that he would never punish his kids again. None of his kids ever have to be concerned about the punishment of the father. Ever, 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 ever. Turn your neighbor and say, ever, ever, ever. No more punishment. Always attention. Always goodness. Always mercy. That's a new perspective, right? That's a different way of of seeing myself and seeing my God and seeing others as I move through life that I would acknowledge God has blessed and therefore I want to have my blessings highlighted and talked about and boasted on because my god is so good and gracious he's mighty to the generations generations how about this number three god's new perspective as we think about the the big rocks here uh not only just that new perspective gives birth to passion a brand new passion for living and purpose but also highlights my blessings and then i love this just new perspective shouts right just just gets excited about god's sovereignty. And I don't know about you, but uh, we, we tend to highlight a lot of our free will and I have freedom, but how often are we just mesmerized? Are we overwhelmed and in awe of like God is totally in control. He is completely sovereign here. 51 through 53, let's, let's, let's be listening for these words that he has. He has. Be listening for this. God, God, that he has. What has he done? Our sovereign God, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. 53, he, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. And I, I was just thinking about each of these verses. What, what has he done? What has God done in his sovereignty that he has looked at the proud that exalt themselves, and God says, I'm going to humble them, right? And we live in a culture where everybody is jockeying for position of, I need to be seen, I need to be heard, I need to make a name for myself, I need to make a legacy that I'm awesome and my accomplishments and what I've done, and God says, I bring the arrogant low. And then he says in what, verse 52 the, the mighty, right? He's talking about on their thrones, authority, those that think they have power, those that think they, they're they they're the bosses of their lives, their company, their nation. He says this, I'm going to bring them down. I'm going to humble them. Literally, I'm going to humiliate them because they won't humble themselves. Those that dominate, they're going to be brought low and under the domination of, of God. And then we see in in the next section here, 53, worldly, right? People that are living in the world, they're, they're so filled. And he says, he actually has filled the what? The hungry. Those that don't have in this life, God's the one that's giving what? He says good things. Good things. You see that? Those that think, I'm starving here. I don't have what I think I need. And as we compare ourselves, I don't, do you ever do this? Do you ever do this? This isn't restricted to a certain generation or age, but... Every time that we get our hands on anything, social media, I mean, it's just a warfare of comparison and envy of they look so satisfied. They look so happy. Why can't I have a highlight reel like they have? Their life is awesome. The things that they're, they're facing are so small and all the blessings, it seems like, are, are huge. And, and for many, it's, they don't even know God. And it's like, why is Why does it look like they get everything, and I'm here struggling, and I I don't get it. I don't get it. Everything inside of you that's like, I'm hungry for more, and I feel like I don't have, and I'm going without, and God has good things. Those that aren't seeking it horizontally, aren't shopping around horizontally for fulfillment, he says there's a vertical satisfaction, and this is where Mary went. She's seeking him and saying, God, fill me up, fill me up. Where I'm empty... Where there's voids, where there's holes in, in my heart, fill me up. You are my satisfaction. And I, I don't know if you've uh, had a verse that you've, you, you've been meditating on over, over the years that maybe comes to, comes to your mind, but all throughout the Psalms, there's several verses that, that talk about, satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love, that I may rejoice and be glad all the days of my life. And the psalmist mantra of satisfy me, God, is usually after, God, why don't I have? And why am I so miserable? And why, why did they have and I don't? And, and if you just want to jot down Psalm 73 and Psalm 37, okay, that way, if you're dyslexic like me, then you're gonna get it right either way, okay? Because Psalm 73 and Psalm 37 are actually parallel psalms. They're structured the same, it's the same message. And so it starts off with, God, I'm looking around and everybody seems to have their bellies full and, and they're satisfied with all that they have and they have access. And here I am following you and I ain't got nothing. How come, how come I'm getting yanked around here, right? You're supposed to be the God that is good and faithful. And why is it that pagans are, are getting the goods and here, like, we're the faithful and we're getting, we're getting run through with scraps we, that's all we have and then it comes to the pinnacle of of the psalm in 37 and 73 i thought that way until i entered in to the presence of god and then all of a sudden my mind shifted my perspective changed it's a new perspective turn to your neighbor and say i need a new perspective confess right now just let them know i need a new perspective i need to see things differently because i am so prone and and do you think that mary looked around and said Man, like, who am I? And she could have said, this is not a good time. This is not great for my future. People are going to talk. I, I had some plans for my future, and this wasn't it. And God, God said, uh, I am going to fill you up because you, I know, are struggling. I know that you're a nobody. I know that you're ordinary, and that you have nothing, and I'm going to be your everything, and I'm going to satisfy all the longings of your heart. Every say, that's good news. That's such good news that God is our satisfaction, that God is the one that changes our perspective from locked on, this is what my future should look like, this is what I need, this is what I shouldn't have to deal with, to God, you're enough, you're enough, you're enough, you're enough. I'm satisfied, I'm filled with joy from you, not seeking from the world, but seeking heavenly treasure. Number four, if you're taking notes, jot this down, God's new perspective, rest. Oh, we need rest, don't we? Rest, rest, God's new perspective rests in God's promises. God's promises. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, his people, right? God has been the helper of his people in remembrance of his mercy, recalling all the mercy of God as he spoke to our fathers, right, looking back throughout history to Abraham and to his offspring forever. God has been faithful. She's recalling God will be faithful he will continue because what? If you were here Friday, we talked about just for a few minutes, uh, God is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. That's what he's been doing this whole time. I don't know where you were uh, 10,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, a few hundred years ago. You know what God was doing? Keeping his promises. Do you know what he's going to be doing thousands of years from now? Keeping his promises. He can't stop keeping his promises. He's got a bad habit of just continually always keeping his promises. And guess what? We don't keep our promises. You have friends and family that don't keep their promises. We are filled with disappointment all around. God never disappoints. God never disappoints. Rest. There's rest to be found in his promises. I don't know if this is a good season for you to recall in all the busyness and the exhaustion and the overwhelm to say, God, I want a new year filled with new, fresh vision of your promises, and I'm going to grab hold of them because you're going to fulfill them. So I'm going to set my heart's hope in your promises, not in the promises of a future that I envision, but God, what you have said my future is promises. God's promises, I'm going to rest there. I'm going to find hope there. And it says forever. I just love that we end with forever. Not temporarily, not temporarily, God kept his promises and and did great things in the past, he's going to keep on doing it. And that is such, such good news, such good news for generations. And so let's do this. Let's stand together, and I just want you to be looking at your your outline, okay? So here's a, a moment not to check out, okay, but grab hold of your outline if you have that, and you have a few questions at the bottom, all right? Let's stand. Let's stretch a little bit, all right? Let's get refocused on just landing the plane here. Everybody say, land the plane. There we go. Here we go. I want us to ask these questions. Do I live, just get personal, do I live with new lenses? Do I see with a new pair of gospel glasses, am I seeing all of my life through the lens of God's promises, his truth? Have I been living that way? Just as we do an assessment of 2021, have I been looking at all things, assessing, interpreting all things as God, your will? you are mighty you're working powerfully your plan do we do we see that do we see that and if not it's a good opportunity just for us to say god i confess i i'm looking through the lenses that are gray that are dark that are dreary there's nothing but a future of Ugh, okay this is brand new new lenses look look through and interpret and say god you are good you are faithful you are powerful I'm following you going into a new year. Every day, I'm committed to you. New eyes, new way of seeing. It, get, it gets changed day by day. And I think you see there, that's that last line. And we have new morning mercies in the, in the lobby, uh, even as a church for us just to be united around being in the word every day because how does new perspective come? New perspective comes as you have new encounters with God every day, every day. How often? Every day. Every day, fresh encounters, new encounters with my God every day this new year. I don't know what this year looked like. Maybe this year looked like a failed Bible reading plan, right, with, like, two checks on it. I don't know what it looks like for you. But what if we were a church that just was passionately pursuing, we're getting into the Word every single day, we're in the Word. There's no way I'm going to get new lenses and I'm going to see things differently unless God is giving me a new pair of lenses. I don't know the last time that you've been in in the optometry office and you've been sitting behind the uh, A or B, one or two, one or two, A or B. How about now, A or B, now the left. Every day we need God's word is like corrective, corrective, like, ooh, it's getting clearer, it's getting sharper. Optimism, joy, future with God all the way. He's with me, he's for me, but that happens on a daily basis in the word. Let's pray. Father, we need a new perspective. Give us a year coming off of this Christmas, no matter how we have experienced this holiday season, that our hearts would be changing. God, that we would be passionate about what you're passionate about, that we would respond with boasting on your faithfulness, your mercies, your goodness. Change us day by day by day, that we would be looking for the good. We'd be looking for your goodness. We'd be looking out for all that we can do in your name passionately building your kingdom as a church. But we can't do that unless every day we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind by this word. God, change our perspective. We need a new perspective, a new lens, new way of interpreting and seeing that glorifies you, that brings us joy, good news of great joy. And send us off on mission this year your hands and your feet. We want to serve you in unity as a church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.